Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Another week, another dollar, I'd like to say. Uh, it's a hell of a week. In the new Trump world we have been experiencing in the past year, there is always something to talk about. Uh, the news revolves around him, and he does things which create other incidences all over the world. And I never want for material. It is absolutely amazing. It's too much. Tonight, uh, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about several subjects. I'm going to start with Donald Trump. I won't bore you. I've only got three items on him. Going to get into the NRA. We've got several items on that. Quite interesting. We still have the effects of Irma here. Six months later, Hurricane Irma is still causing big-time problems in the Keys. Want to share them with you because those problems have to be not only in Puerto Rico, but in Texas and Mississippi also. And, God willing and time permitting, I've got some sex items I want to discuss. Uh, not harsh on the ears. Interesting things. Tells, a lot, tells us a lot about how people are. Okay, getting started. Let's go to our good President Donald Trump. I use the word good facetiously. Uh, Trump was on national television yesterday. There's videos of him yesterday and today floating all over the Internet. And he's sitting back, and he is the brave one. You know, he's talking about Douglas High School. He's talking about the sheriff's deputy who did not go in. And he says, I would have gone in even if I didn't have a gun. Now, let me quote him precisely because that, in effect, is what he said. I would have gone in even if I was without a gun. What he said, and I quote, is, I'd run in there even if I didn't have a weapon. I repeat, I'd run in there even if I didn't have a weapon. Who is he bullshitting? This man fantasizes. If anything, I can see him running in the opposite direction. I'm not trying to insult him, but you've got to call a spade a spade. And I say that with all due respect. The man's a coward. All bullies are cowards. Cowards. He threatens everyone. He, he creates animosity. He creates confrontations. But when the chips are down, where the hell is he? He always backs off. Uh, this is not... A decent thing. This isn't even decent what he said. If I was there, I would have gone in. Look who we're talking about. This is a fellow that during the Vietnam War got five deferments, forward for education. But when he got out of school and Vietnam was still booming, he could have gone in. But what did he do? He walked into his draft board with a letter from some doctor saying, hey, I've got... <laughs> Bone spurs in my heels, bone spurs in my heels, which means he couldn't stand around too long on his feet. He probably danced his ass off all night, well, the night before he delivered that letter and the night of the day he delivered that letter. I don't buy the bone spurs in his heels. I think this guy was trying to beat the draft. He didn't want to go to Vietnam. I don't blame him. Who wants to go to get killed? But... It was his responsibility and his time. And when it's your responsibility and your time, you do these things. So I'm not impressed with this statement. It's bullshit. 
and I hope the American people recognize it as such. Unfortunately, that 37% loyal to him will believe him and say, that's our man. I want to talk about an appointment Trump is considering making. He's very, he has to appoint a new head of the FAA, the Federal Aviation Association, uh, the people, the federal agency that controls the skies, the planes, the routes, uh, benefits, everything. $16 billion annual budget, okay? And I would assume that he would want to appoint the most qualified person to this position. Now, I don't think his prospective appointee is qualified. He seems to me he would be unqualified. The man he is very seriously considering appointing is John Duncan. Now, who is John Duncan? I will tell you who John Duncan is. John Duncan has been Trump's personal pilot since 1989. Trump's personal pilot since 1989. This qualifies him to handle this massive, important, responsibility-bearing federal agency controlling lives, etc. You know, you don't make your friend the head of an agency just because he's your friend. You look for the most qualified people. Trump has failed in this regard. Look how many people are already gone within one year out of his administration. Uh, some for ineptness. Look how many of them break rules. They don't even know rules exist. Some of them think they're, they're, they're little gods now that they're secretary of this and that. They can fly first class from New York to Washington. I don't believe it. The train's faster. Uh, and they're just using uh, the jet planes of the United States to take their wives to Europe and everything else. Bad news. Anyhow, as far as I'm concerned, to make his personal pilot since 1989 the head of this big agency, federal agency, would be like selecting his long-term limousine driver to be Secretary of Transportation. Now, I want one more item on Trump. I call it same place, same bungalow, Lake Tahoe. You recall about a month ago, uh, it hit the fan. Uh, in 2006, we, he was at a golf tournament in Lake Tahoe. And apparently and allegedly, he had a relationship with a stripper by the name of Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels and he had a meretricious relationship. They apparently had sex. Uh, and if you recall... Uh, within days of the election, when Trump was getting hit bad with his prior relationships, I think 12 or 13 came up, women came forward and said, we had sex, we had sex with him. He did this to me, he did touch my privates, etc. cetera. Uh, this woman said, I'm going to go public, Stormy Danielson. I'm going to say that we had this affair. Uh, you didn't hurt me, but we had this affair. Well, his lawyer, Michael Cohen, claims out of his own pocket, not Trump's money, he paid her $130,000 to keep quiet. Now, I'm an attorney. I don't think I ever paid anything for any of my clients. Uh, $130,000? Absolutely no way. But he paid her, one way or another, this woman, Stormy Daniels, got paid $130,000. Now, this past week, comes Karen McDougal. Karen McDougal. 
Karen was the 1998 Playboy Playmate of the Year. Playboy Playmate of the Year. Very attractive woman. She's very, very, very beautiful. Her pictures on TV speak of such absolute beauty. Anyhow, she was at that golf tournament in Lake Tahoe, and she had sex, apparently, in the same bungalow, okay, on the same premises as Trump, with Trump, as Trump was having with Stormy Daniels. However, Dougal, Karen Dougal must have been one step smarter than uh, Daniels. She got a bit more money. Uh, she settled for $20,000 more, $150,000. Now, this was consensual sex in both instances the man is trying to hide. Uh, and, oh, <laughs> these two sex incidences, uh, and there's nothing wrong with sex. It's, it's God's gift to us, but some people abuse it, and these he does, uh, came at a time just after... Melania had had uh, Baron, the baby, they had, their son was born. Uh, so he was out there playing, spending all this money. I am upset about it. I'm going to tell you why I'm upset. There has to be a sta- and I'm not the most perfect man in the world, but there has to be a standard of morality, especially in the President of the United States. I'm too old at 82 to look up to somebody. But my grandchildren aren't, okay? And it bothers me that they they watch television, they hear the news, they read the newspapers. These kids are all smart today, you know that. And they're looking at a man who's done bad things, as one of my grandchildren said. He did bad things, Papa. Uh, and uh, we don't do anything about it. We accept it. I don't understand this. Okay, enough of Donald Trump. I want to talk about the NRA now. Uh, Let me say this. Douglas High School is the beginning of the end of the NRA. Douglas High School, those 17 dead, the AR-15 being shot all over the place by this Nicholas Cruz, and it's the reaction of the NRA to this whole situation that, in my opinion, uh, it's prophesi- it prophesizes the end of the NRA. Not today, not tomorrow, but it's going to have diminishing power, and eventually it'll be gone from sight. Years off, but it's going to have diminishing power dramatically, and it starts right away. Now, let me say this. I'm very impressed with these high school kids out of Douglas and other high schools all over the United States. Uh, At 14, 15, 16, and 17, I was not that articulate. I watched on Morning Joe, I forget, Friday, I think it was, uh, a young fellow by the name of David Hogg, H-O-G-G, 17-year-old senior from from Douglas High School, saw all the shooting, two of his friends killed before his eyes. He was so articulate. He was so clear-headed, so sincere. And you could tell he and the rest of his friends are not going to put this issue down, okay? Uh, Never again is for real. It's here. Never again is for real. And it ain't going to die, not for a long, long time. These kids fear nothing, okay? As the good book says, from the mouth of babes comes truth. 
They have no reason to lie. And at their age, they have no reason to fear. Okay? They haven't become old enough to fear. And these kids are just so smart. When I was 17 and I was fifth in my high school class, I was smart, or I was considered smart. I was nowhere as articulate and clear-headed as these young people are. God bless them. I'm glad that someone, and I'm glad it's them, that have finally taken up the task, the charge, to do something about weapons that kill. Which brings me now to Wayne LaPierre. Wayne LaPierre. Remember Wayne LaPierre? He's the executive vice president. In effect, he is the CEO of the NRA. Well, he was on television uh, last week at the CPAC meeting. Understand what CPAC is. It's, it's the ultra-conservative, purportedly, allegedly, the ultra-conservative portion group of the Republican Party, the far to the right people. And when he got up to make his speech, he knew he was into a losing situation. And why was he in a losing situation? Because already the country was in an uproar. These kids were making it difficult, uh, very difficult, for the NRA. Uh, they, the world knows these kids are on the side of right. This world, our world, understands that the NRA has been buying our politicians. The, the people understand that money to our politicians is more important than the lives of children. You can't argue with those facts, those items, and you can't stand up to them. And he knew his organization, the NRA, all of a sudden was taking a major hit. The proof was the corporation. They do business with a lot of corporations. And these American corporations were leaving them all of a sudden. They, they do business for various reasons, credit cards, cross-branding, etc. Uh, look, Avis, Hertz, <laughs> uh, Chubb, I'm sorry, uh, Chubb Limited, MetLife, Delta, American Airlines, automatically, right away said, we're not doing business with the NRA anymore. This is going to cost them big bucks, okay? Uh, they deserve it. And let me tell you where else. You know, justice sometimes comes in a strange way. Uh, but virtue, virtue comes to the forefront if you give it enough time. The company that makes AR-15s, the very gun that was used to kill 20 people at Sandy Hook, remember those first and second graders that got slewed? They were killed, first and second graders. Well, they were made by a company called Remington. Remington was started in 1816. It's the most famous gun-making company in the world. It, the company started in Illion, New York. Illion, New York, 15 miles from my hometown of Utica. It's, it's the major employer. It's really the sole manufacturing employer. They do a big business, and over the years, they have plants in several different states. So active, so big, had their ARV business become that in 2014, Remington built a plant in Huntington, Alabama, to solely, to solely manufacture AR-15s. Well, they're in the process of filing for bankruptcy. Yes. Now, how could this happen with all these guns that are being sold? Two reasons, and follow me here. Number one, 
Sandy Hook brought a lot of lawsuits against Remington because they were the manufacturers of the guns. Well, they had to pay for their defense out of their pockets. They didn't have sufficient insurances to cover this stuff. And it took a lot of years and a lot of high-priced legal talent. Remington finally won. They were held not liable, okay? But the legal fees broke their back. And the other thing is this, and this I never thought of. And I hope you, it will, maybe you know about it or realize it, and I didn't. Uh, when a politician was elected that was going to be anti-gun, the people in his area or nationally, if it was a president, a president would run, he was going to be anti-gun, would run and buy guns right away. Because this guy, uh, if he's elected or when he's elected, now this person gets elected, he could finally win for the cause and Weapons of mass destruction like this would be like the AR-15. You couldn't buy them anymore. Okay? And so business went up when the do-gooders got elected from the perspective of the NRA. Well, Donald Trump got elected. But he wasn't a, he, he, he wasn't, and he was not a do-gooder. He was only a do-gooder for the NRA, not for the people. He himself just said about 10 days ago, and I quote, you have a friend in the White House, our president, after these kids were killed, kids were killed you know, at Douglas High School. You have a friend in the White House. Well, when he was elected a year ago, when he was elected, uh, the people who want to bear firearms, the people who buy firearms said, hey, we don't have to worry. This guy's on our side. Nothing bad is going to happen. So believe what I'm going to tell you. I'm smiling and laughing. The the sale of guns went down last year during Trump's first year in office because the gun owners felt secure. So between those two items, Remington took a beating and is now filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. All right. Let's see here. This disturbed me very much also, and I'm still with the NRA, and I'm back to Wayne LaPierre, their executive vice president, their spokesman. Before CPAC, he gave a very, very heated, yelling on occasion, yelling loudly, like he was off his rocker. He lost his cool uh, because he knew those kids are out there, and those kids have something special, those high school students who are talking against him, and that it's something that's getting started. He may not be able to stop it. He knew he's lost the corporations already, and he knew if he's going to keep his people, his NRA followers aroused, he has to give them a reason. The reason for the last I don't know how many years has been they're going to take, the government's going to take your Second Amendment rights away from you. Well, the new cry became that day. Yeah, listen to what I'm going to say. This is absolutely disgusting, abominable. He now said, all of your individual freedoms, not just your Second Amendment gun rights, are being destroyed, are being destroyed, and guess by whom? The Jews. He blamed the Jews for what is now happening. The company's walking away. Gun sales are going to be all screwed up now. Uh, the companies are going to get hurt. On the condescending intellectual elite, as he described them, the Jews, he said, they're doing it all over again. What a way to talk. 
He claims that the Jews have a plan here. It's called social engineering, okay? And billions of people of the Jewish lineage are on their way to destroying American freedoms. They want to make everything for themselves. They're the worst people in the world. He sounded like Hitler back in the mid-1930s in Germany. An absolute disgrace for shame. Uh, they should tar and feather this guy and drag him down Fifth Avenue in New York City. One more item with the NRA. And this just came up yesterday. I heard it twice on television, on the news shows. I watch these talk shows. And uh, I have heard nothing more. I'm going to throw it out there. I don't know if it's true or false. I don't know if Special Counsel Mueller is looking into this. This is interesting. But anyhow, what came out yesterday was, you know, the membership of the NRA aren't rich people. Uh, they're everyday people who want to own guns. And their dues alone cannot support the NRA in the in the manner to which it sounds like a wife divorcing her husband, in a style to which it has become accustomed. Look at the money, even though they're getting money from the gun manufacturers, look at the money they're spending on political candidates. We now know that Trump received for the presidential campaign from the NRA $30 million. Uh, Two weeks ago, I, I either wrote my blog or I, I did a live video on this on Facebook. Uh, the monies that certain of our congressional representatives received from the NRA. At the New York Times in October of last year wrote a lengthy article on how much money each representative was getting, each senator, each congressperson. And they printed it in the paper. And I only reported on the top three senators because they were the ones who got the most money. But these are big dollars. Now, I'm ashamed to say a man I admire greatly, John McCain, got the most money from the NRA. In his years in office, he has been he has received in contributions, I'll say it nicely, uh, $7,700,000. That's a lot of money. Just like $30 million is a lot of money for Trump. The next senator received $6,900,000. The next senator received $4,500,000. Now the question arises, where did this money come from? And it was suggested yesterday two times and then it died. Well, maybe it's coming from Russia. Maybe this is money that was filtered into the campaign to support Donald Trump. Let's just take his $30 million. That money was filtered into the campaign to support Donald Trump, and it came initially from Russia through the NRA. Just sharing it. Don't know if it's true. Don't know if it's false. Heard it twice on two major shows. Then I heard nothing else. I don't know what will come of it, if anything. Okay, one, uh, where am I here? Uh, oh, oh, oh. Let me tell you about assault weapons. Let me tell you what's permitted under the law and not permitted. You know, I'm a retired lawyer. The Supreme Court of the United States, indeed, District of Columbia versus Heller, said that the Second Amendment uh, protects the constitutional right of people to own guns, keep them in their homes, and so forth. Uh, 
It was limited, however, nobody talks about this, to handguns, rifles, and shotguns. Justice Scalia, who wrote the majority decision in the Heller case, uh, went on to say, this right that we are protecting is not, and I quote, unlimited. It has boundaries. He didn't say the boundary was an AR-15 or anything like that, but it was intimated. Now, since that time, there have been federal circuit court cases. This is the first appellate level before the Supreme Court. And this, this case came up four or five times. Gun rights came up uh, and Second Amendment rights. And in each instance, the circuit courts ruled the same. It only applied to handguns, rifles, and shotguns. Did not apply to weapons of war, you know, assault weapons, things like an AR-15 rifle. Who's going to decide ultimately what the answer is? Well, the answer is those circuit court decisions. The Supreme Court will never hear a gun case again unless there is a. there are two circuit courts that disagree. There are rules for achieving an appeal to the United States Supreme Court. One is you've got to have two circuit courts disagreeing. Therefore, the Supreme Court has to decide to say what the law of the land is. But if you've got all the courts going one way at the circuit court level, that is the law of the land. So don't let anybody tell you their, their Second Amendment rights goes beyond the shotgun, rifle, and handgun. It does not. We're now, I'm coming to cover Key West very quickly here. Post-Derma, six months later, we still have problems, as does Mississippi, as does Texas, and obviously Puerto Rico. Uh, the federal government, FEMA, and the state government, Florida, did a wonderful job before the hurricane, during the hurricane, and immediately thereafter. Right now, they're falling flat on their faces. Uh, they're just running out of money, and they just didn't assume that the ramifications of Irma were going to be that bad. We have children suffering post-Irma. What am I talking about? 4,000 living units were damaged beyond repair in the Florida Keys. 4,000 living units. Many of these had kids. Well, those kids don't have a home. They're now living in little tent cities. They're living in cars. They're living in cardboard boxes in the woods. They're living under bridges. People live under the bridges. Come to Key West, Cow Key, 200 feet before you actually hit Key West. Ride a boat under the bridge. You'll see on both sides people sleeping on mattresses, on nothing, living under the bridges. And kids are there. Up until the time of Irma, we had 150 homeless children going to our schools, and we fed them through various programs. The number is now over 500. FEMA stopped paying for them February 1st. The state isn't paying for them. The county, by law, cannot pay. I don't know why. I don't understand it. So right now, those kids are eating lunch. They're not getting breakfast at home. They're not getting dinner. Their only daily meal is lunch. The schools are supplying it to that 500-plus. The kids go in the food line and say, charge it, which means charge it to my folks. The folks don't have any money to pay. Right now, personal donations are feeding that child, those children. Something has to be done and the government hasn't picked up on this shit. They're, they're doing good, but they screwed up at the end, and it has to change. We've got problems like this here. Also, they just started cleaning up our canals last week. $6 million has been appropriated by the county to start cleaning up the canals. We, I have seen some of these canals. They're only 20 miles from my home. 
uh, and I've seen pictures of them in the newspaper. These canals have whole homes in the canal, half a home in the canal, boats, cars in the canal, refrigerators sticking up, TV sets, and the debris from the trees, okay, and the shrubbery. The debris is so thick, so tall, you can walk on it like you're walking on water as Jesus did. Your feet go about an inch below the water level and you're walking on those houses, cars, boats that sit in the canal. They have to be cleaned up. I mean, those canals are for boats and fun and people live on canals. They're like streets. And they just ain't there anymore the way they weren't. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a health problem from this too. This is serious. Well, my friends, that's the show for this week. Uh, I didn't get as far as I wanted, but that's all right. Some of these items perhaps I can use next week. I hope you enjoyed. I am glad to be with you again, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Good night.